Welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show from Austin, Texas. I'm the internet's Christopher Schmidt. On today's show, we are joined with Simon St. Laurent, the content manager at LinkedIn Learning. This week, we talk about the recent problems with self-driving cars, the rise of GDPR, the new Star Wars movie Solo, 10 years ago on Twitter, and much, much more. Before we get started, some things I'd like you to know. The UX Design Newsletter is a weekly list of articles, tutorials, and inspiration handpicked by me. Sign up at uxdesignnewsletter.com and have the best links of the week sent to your email. So set it and forget it with a non-breaking space show newsletter. So whenever a new show is ready, you'll get notified right away in your inbox. Just sign up at newsletter.nonbreakingspace.tv. Do you know we have a YouTube channel? Yep, we got one of those. Brand spanking new things. You can watch uh, the show, uh, unedited episodes at youtube.com slash non-breaking space show. If you hear about a site or a resource that's in this episode, chances are it's going to be in our show episode page on the non-breaking space.tv website. Be sure to follow me, Christopher, on Twitter at Teleject, T-E-L-E-J-E-C-T. As always, thank you for telling others about the non-breaking space show. Now, on with the show. Well, uh, welcome back, man. Yeah, it's great to be here again. Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's just uh, just get into the top news, man. Sure. Sorry. The world gets ever stranger. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Number one. Uh, the first one is a woman says her Amazon device, which is the Amazon Echo, recorded private conversations uh, between her and her husband and then sent them to a random contact. I guess uh, yeah. I was connected to her husband's account. So, so that was kind of crazy. That was, um, so, uh, yeah. So like, um, husband and wife were talking to each other and then they get a phone call from the husband's, I think, uh, employee or colleague and says like, uh, turn off all your Amazon echoes cause you're being hacked. And so, they, <laughs> so, so they did that. And they're like, well, what are we talking about? It was like, well, let me tell you, you guys were just talking about, Right. Uh, you know, like XYZ domestic, you know, uh, you know, like issues, you know, and so like, oh yeah, we were just talking about that. And so um and so I was so you know, everyone knows that Amazon or has a suspicion that Amazon's listening and, and uh taking all your audio in and so but now we have We have they have an explanation, sort of. You know, something sounded enough like Alexa, something sounded enough like another command. Um I, I I think they concluded by saying this is this is a, a supposed to be a very very rare event and we will take more steps to make sure it's even more rare, um, which doesn't quite mean they can fix the problem because I don't think they actually can. Um, <laughs> they just don't want it to happen very often, right. and that it made news is kind of a sign that it doesn't happen that often. Uh, <laughs> my Facebook feed didn't light up with people saying, "Yeah, that happened to me too," but I think. Maybe there will be fewer people naming their children Alexa. Yeah, they, there was actually a story, uh, and I'm not sure which how true it is, but uh, uh, a kids named Alexa has dropped amazingly, has almost like cratered, uh, and uh, so so no one's really named. Well, fortunately, I don't think there were a whole lot of kids named Google <laughs> or OK. So yes, we named our kid OK Cupid. There, All right, great. Yeah. Yes, there is the classic <laughs> Little Bobby Table story from XKCD oh, yeah. where they. Their child with the right combination of SQL characters to hack school databases. Oh man! Yeah. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have these things in my house. Um, oh. I mean, obviously, I have a cell phones, so I, you know, but I I don't. I tried voice recognition a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I decided I was not the kind who did really well with dictation anyway. Right. Uh, so I chucked it, and I've kind of never come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I did check. Google will let you see what they've recorded of you. Oh, yeah. Um, which sounds like it would be great fun, except that for me it was completely empty. So, um, yeah, these are these are easy problems to avoid if you're willing to accept the great cost of not having these devices. So, <laughs> I, I, I I must admit I am kind of worried because of like because I do have these devices in, in my uh, in my home, and so I just it just solves a lot of issues where the light switch is not where I want the light switch to be or it's not really handy. And so I can actually turn on lights when, when I can walk in, walk into a room or whatnot. And so um, I think that's the main draw for Alexa for me is actually like, you know, just the internet of things being connected, you know, give a voice command and then all of a sudden like, you know, a light bulb across the room turns on. So that's kind of, it's Star Trek. Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty nice. And so I've gotten kind of used to it and uh, just giving out verbal commands just when no one's around. Right. Like, and stuff happens. So, but uh, it, it does freak me out because like, I think Amazon, uh, Jeff Bezos, like said, like in his post that he knows, like in some sort of PR thing, he's like, I know how many people use this, uh, like turn on lights command, like yesterday or something like that, or like, like last week. Right. And I was like, huh, <laughs> is that the. Well, that's the joy of analytics. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got. I just installed the pull chain switch, so obviously I'm not the right target market. Um, <laughs> and it took about six hours, so it's not was not an easy or fun project. Um, I, you know, I, I think about the number of microphones I have in my house, even if I just think about the ones that are like actively connected and possibly on. Um, the one I'm talking to you on, the one that sits on my computer, silent. The work laptop one, my wife's laptop one. Oh, there's this iPad. I don't know. I should probably check with Apple and see if they have any interesting recordings of my kids um, beyond what's on the iPad immediately. Um, it, it seems to be becoming common. I mean, we're getting to the point where people are asking, you know, should we be making Alexa ask for please so that our kids get better trained to uh, be polite? Oh, yeah, there you go. Um, you know, I many things are changing here. Um, yeah. I've just stepped off the bus for now. Right, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I definitely would like... Like after if, after like seven commands, if you know, if Alexa doesn't hear a please, I think she's like, well, I I think you should say the magic word yes. <laughs> before I do it again. So, but yeah, that'd be kind of nice. Cool, yeah, that yeah. So I'm not. Uh, I guess I've embraced the uh, Kool Aid. So and just so have a lot of people. Yeah. So and there are cases where I think like it's it's a way better op- option than anything else. I mean, especially for people who have limited mobility. Mm-hmm. This is like powerful magic that lets them get things done. Right. Um, and I've known authors who dictated their books, which my brain just doesn't I, work that I, way. I don't know how you do that. They love That's it. crazy. Yeah. I tried. Yeah. I failed. Yeah, I do. I do like the idea of Amazon's uh, like FaceTime uh, device that is like a little orb thing that you buy and you actually like uh, connect easily. Like it's like the future where like you actually have face to face, you know, TV camera communications, but you have to have I guess you both parties have to have uh, this Amazon Echo Cube. I forgot what it's called, but uh, and uh, I think that's pretty amazing. But um, and I think I wish Apple would actually make something like that for their, their FaceTime. But I believe that's called a telephone. 
so I'm not really sure they're into like making telephones yeah. anymore. So, so they still call things phones. Yeah. But yes. Yeah. We, we live in the age of orbs. Clearly it's time to move from phones to orbs. Yeah. The tablet is dead. We got to move to orbs. So, and then, and then we have to put an orb on a drone. So then we have flying drones, flying, flying orbs. orb drones. Over yeah. So, so I think then we get a lot of science fiction happening after that. So coming true. So cool. Awesome. All right. Uh, next story. Number two is uh, a baboon briefly escapes a crate and roams loose in the San Antonio airport. So uh, since I live in uh, Austin, Texas, this made the news pretty rapidly uh, just because uh, you don't get to see, see that very often. But uh, but it's a rhesus monkey, monkey, monkey. So it just briefly escaped. And so... Uh, I guess he was being transported to a to a new sanctuary. to a sanctuary, and so uh, he got loose of his crate, which is always great. Which is, uh, I guess, uh, economy for for monkeys, I guess. And uh, I guess yeah. they haven't started transporting us in crates yeah. very often yeah. yet. So uh, I I flew a, a plane. I don't know what who it was, but it was. I think I flew the new Southwest Airlines design, mm-hmm. and it looked great. Uh, a lot more. You know, visually more appealing, but I felt like more sardined than before. Trying to get into that, so it was it was an issue there. But uh, well, my favorite quote is that the uh, uh, zoo uh, representatives who helped you know uh, you know help with the monkey uh, getting the monkey back into the crate was uh, yeah we we plan for this all the time. <laughs> they, they they do they do rehearsals and training. Escape monkey drills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So. And then the uh, and then the airport is also like yeah we usually just get a cat escapes and then we have to track that down so I'm not sure how much a so a monkey is a little different <laughs> maybe the monkey was looking for its orb I don't uh, know the drone orb like maybe it said the drone yeah Alexa open crate and then like oh man I got <laughs> <laughs> now we're in deep trouble <laughs> I mean I always like reminders that we're not the only ones around and uh, monkeys exploring airports is really a I don't know, deserves a meme or 20. The video I saw was only like two seconds long, so I was a little sad about that, but uh, yeah. there must be more. Yeah, there's it's a little bit more. I, I was look, I was trying to hunt down the official uh, PR statement from the um, from the airport, and I haven't I haven't found it yet, so I'm just hoping I can find that. Uh, and just Because I feel like that would just be, that'd be a good day of work. Like as a PR person, you walk in, a monkey goes around crazy, and it's your job to write the PR. <laughs> why, don't, why don't I get to do yeah, that? Exactly. Number three. Okay, uh, next story is uh, is that Uber is shutting down the self driving. Well, actually, it's about there's two stories. Is that but about Uber in Arizona? And so uh, the report, you know, there's a debt we reported earlier because we our last episode we actually talked about the uh, the death of uh, of a woman who was killed uh, by a. Um, uber car i think it was uber right so yeah yeah it was uber and so uh and so the report came out but actually it was like the report came out uh after it was announced that uber was uh firing its arizona uh self-driving car program personnel so that's over 300 people got laid off or fired uh whatever the you know definition you want to go with uh in arizona and so and then the next day it released that uh uh, what was the cause of the problem was that the uh, 
it was really the driver was looking down at the Uber touchscreen when the uh, when uh, when she probably should have been looking at the car at the, at the road ahead, and so uh, so that was kind of uh, the issue. So and the software was all turned off. I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so the software that was supposed to like that would I guess hit tap the brakes if you will, or or the yeah. brakes was actually turned off because when you're in that self driving mode, it's turned off because if it's not turned off self-driving is a little erratic i guess because i guess it hits brakes all the time or something like that and so uh yeah it sounded like she pressed the bait brakes like a second too late like half a second too late for it to happen so um yeah and so they pulled out uh of arizona and you, you gotta think like you can't really you know if you're uber you know you still have the liability issues of mm-hmm. of you know selling that so the the, the legal issues are, are like just gonna be a big cloud, right? Just for at least the next months or even years of. Yeah, I mean, Arizona went way out of its way to make itself friendly to these kinds of tests, yeah. like legally. So I don't know what their actual civil or criminal liability is here. Um, they may not technically have much, which is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't. I don't know. Everything I've heard about. Uber self-driving program sounds sort of rushed and kind of moving in strange directions. And um, I think it's definitely in that move fast and break things mode. Mm. And that might not be such an awesome idea for cars. <laughs> um, I keep going back to the conversation we had a few months ago that was really like the episode dedicated to self-driving vehicles mm. and kind of the different levels of automation cruise control. Um, I mean, everything in the car is drive by wire at this point. Anyway, um, they do make the steering wheel feel like it's, you know, doing something, but, um, all these things are happening, but I'm, I kind of feel like we're trying to jump to the end a little too fast. Mm -hmm. Um, there are things that I would love to have right now. Like if I could just have my car basically follow the car ahead of me, as long as it doesn't take an exit, that would be great. (laughs) That would be wonderful. You know, keep, you know, safe driving distance because I usually don't. And, um, you know, restrain my constant urge to pass everyone. Um, Except for that one car who's going faster than me. There always has to be one car going faster. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just, I I feel like we're kind of leaping too far, too far at once. Mm -hmm. Um, I just was on the phone with a friend and he was like, so, like, you've got Cornell there. Are they doing, like, self-driving car experiments on your roadways and stuff? And I'm like, not that I've seen. I don't think I'd want to do them in Ithaca. It's steep. It's icy. It's got seven-way intersections. Yeah. It seems like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Arizona seems perfect. Mm-hmm. If you can't make it work in Arizona, ugh. Yeah, I think it was actually driving, um, we call them testing grounds in Arizona, too. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so like from the big, the major car companies that we know and love that probably have have car company you know testing grounds there too. So it makes sense in a way, but uh, but Uber does have still has the San Francisco and Pittsburgh self driving yeah. engineers up there, and so they made it sound in the press release like oh well we we've you know we flew our engineers you know to Arizona to deal with that you know from from Pittsburgh and Arizona and uh, no, from San Francisco to, to to Arizona. I was just like so uh, you know like. Seriously, that's 300 people, though, that you're just laying off. So, yeah. But, yeah. I'm really curious. I mean, like, what a program like this looks like. I mean, you've got to have something that's like the world's craziest taxi garage. Mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, the people who are actually the drivers, you know, in the cars following them along, um, it just, well, first of all, it seems like there should be a sitcom about this, but, um, second, it just, it's, that's a pretty massive operation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. I mean, I mean, and to your point about like, you know, you just want the, I guess the simple things of just tailing, tailing around the car behind you and stuff like that. But I mean, I think the, you know, the moon shoot, the moon landing is, is the, um, is to just to have a self-driving car work in like, not in rain, but, uh, just normal, like a sunny day type, type of situation. And so I think that's the moonshot. So I think that's, you know, I think we're going to get there sooner than later, but, uh, but yeah, that's still a lot of math to, uh, you know, a lot of math, a lot of like, then the human process of like, you know, going through a stop sign psychology of that and you know, things like that. So especially the psychology, of, I think it's, you can write books about the psychology of like just humans dealing with a four way stop, you know, with cars coming at each other. It's like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? Like who goes first? You know, and, I do four wheel four way stops like four times a day easily. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but like, like who's, who's who, like, who goes first? Like who, if you both get there, the split second, you know, difference. You, know? you both go first. It's very, yeah, good. exactly. It's like, Oh, I didn't get that whiplash of, uh, pressing the gas going back and forth. I'm pretty sure it's in the book. So, uh, and the, uh, you know, handbook so but uh i always think it's like the person to your left whoever's on your left goes first i was taught the person on your right goes oh, first really? but it may it's a, who knows it could vary in different states or i could just be misremembering driver ed yeah and i could be totally wrong too which has happened before so so but yeah well actually this when, when i have these problems there's usually some waving through the windshield yeah exactly and uh as long as you're not too tinted it can work this is where i wish we had something better as far as like turn signals go there, there are times I really wish somebody had a signal for, I'm going straight ahead, you go first. We sort of have the, the basic turn signals and flashing the high beams. But flashing the high beams can mean anything from uh, being generous and kind to, I'm a jerk, I want to go around you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not so useful. Yeah, that's what I get to, like the psychology of driving, of being human. So, so like, like you're talking about, uh, you know, like there's usually some communication going through the windshield, right? You just see like a self-driving car like pops open like a robot, you know, mannequin or whatever. It's like, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. Like so, and so, just j- that, just in case the other car doesn't have a robot, you know, driving it. You know, that needs to be part of the sitcom, <laughs> definitely. Like, the mannequin is a character. Right, there you go. <laughs> so. Number four. U.S. is running out of bombs and may soon to struggle more. Um, not really sure what to think about that one, but uh, I just thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Well. I, a lot of it seems to be about concentrating too many things with too few people. Um, I'm always going to be happy if there are fewer bombs. That's that's not even a question. But the the number of organizations that actually know how to build these things is really tiny. And those organizations are huge. And it seems like everything should be great, except that I think about things like uh, Ford having to stop their F-150 line because of a fire in a magnesium plant that made the bracket to connect the radiator to the engine block, I think. Oh. Um, and they only had one supplier for it because, well, it was a pain and not easy to make, and why have too many people? Yeah. Um, this seems like... And most of the technology stuff I deal with, the problem is that there are too many suppliers and too many choices. 
But in the manufacturing technology side, it always seems to come down to there are just a few people here who can do this thing for you, and how do you want to decide that? Um, I don't know. The other thing, bomb making is really difficult. Yeah. Um, it's just not a fun occupation once you get out of high school chemistry. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's difficult because like, I, I just flash back to the story of uh, – of, um, people who just make fireworks displays. Right. And so, yeah. And so you lose your fingers with just making fireworks. So much less the bomb. Those factories, those factories go up. It is yeah, yeah spectacular and horrible. Number five. Next story is the GDPR, which, uh, yeah. which I think stands for your email box. You've got mail and, uh, and well, I mean, I've seen some pictures of people who are actually in Europe who use lots of services who got, you know, 200 something emails. Um, I went through and counted this morning. I had 47. Okay, there you go. Which seems reasonable. The earliest of them started in like March. Okay. Um, so some some people were a little further ahead of the story. Um, I mean, personally, I was taking GDPR training in January that was required and watching stuff about it last year. Most people seem to have just caught on to it this week. <laughs> yeah, they get, they get that. So that's pretty bizarre. Also, I mean, like I, I, we talked last time about how I took Google Analytics off all my sites. Right. And it wasn't that it was required by GDPR because Google does technically cover GDPR for that. But I don't know. I just It was much nicer to put up a little thing today that says, this site does not track you. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess for people who don't know, like GDPR stands for General Data Protection Regulation, yes. and so it's, uh, I guess, it, I guess it's like it gives more control over people who use the internet and and has the onus of companies to be more transparent and give options yeah, to you, users. You want to track people. I mean, basically, if you want to spy on people, it's supposed to be hard. Yeah, um, this makes it harder, um, and it's European. But it applies to European citizens, not just people geographically in Europe. So effectively, I mean, like the Los Angeles Times today put up a – they're just not providing newspaper service to Europe today because they aren't ready for GDPR. Which doesn't work so well because there are like Germans in Chicago and um, Los Angeles and stuff. So, um, you know, I, I've spent – I spent years and years talking with people who were really enthusiastic about all this data they were going to have on people right. and serving them ads. They'll actually click on and we'll make tons of money and we'll know everything about They're them. called marketers, right? They're right. There are marketers and then there are marketers. Yeah. Um, I have at least one friend who's a marketer who went deep to the heart of this and came away shaken and is not returning. Oh, wow. Um, there are also, like, there was a thing a few years ago where, like, Axiom would let you get your file on yourself. And this sparked a whole bunch of articles on how, wow, these people are really, really wrong. Um, which I guess is kind of like what happens when people get their FBI files. The FBI thinks, I have three children. Mm. Hmm, I wonder how that happened. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a file for that. Okay. There's a file for yeah. that. Yes, that's the extra file. Um <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy just to see, like, the cost of surveillance is climbing mm. and Europe is saying you can do it with consent or under these circumstances. If you need someone's name to provide them with the service, you need their mailing address to ship them something. Yeah, that makes sense. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, 
But everything else, well, maybe you should have to ask for it in a way that actually asks for something. Um, I'll be very curious to see. There was a lawsuit this morning already filed against Google and Facebook Mm -hmm. uh, by a privacy attorney in Europe who is tangled with Google before and won, Mm -hmm. um, basically saying that they were offering all or nothing. You can use our services or you can go away. Mm -hmm. And that's not legit under GDPR. So. I think there are going to be a lot of going to be a lot of legal jobs for a while, yeah. but I suspect that, and there are going to be some jobs disappearing, like those really hardcore marketer, broker, send your data, everything around. Those folks are going to have a really hard time of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they'll entirely go away. I think some of them will go underground. Yeah, but uh, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think um, yeah, definitely the next time we talk, I think we'll definitely like see you with the fallout for that has been but uh but yeah but uh, I mean, you, you probably talked you look you work for a larger organization than i do and so so we had some focus on like well as a smaller company like wh- what do we do and and um so it came down to like uh well also well well it came down to like um if you happen to have user data on your laptop uh make sure your laptop is encrypted you know and so and so uh, right and so that means like so i i, I you know I listen to that because I don't know what that means exactly. So that's like five volts for macOS, and so you have to turn that on. And if you lose your laptop, and or you lose your password to your to your laptop, then you are not going to get your data back. No. So no, I think we're going to be restructuring a lot of that. I mean, the, the basic thing, the reason for that is that if you have a data breach that involves customer data, you have to report it now. Yeah. Um, it is not yet clear that anything terrible happens to you for having a data breach. It's just that it has to be visible, which I guess will probably make attorneys look around to see if anything terrible happened as a result. Um, For years I've heard, I don't know, it's sort of the awkward conversation at conferences was the, how much data did you lose last year? (laughs) Um, And some of it, some of the stories from like large scale organizations are crazy. Like we lost all of these backup tapes and uh, I don't know. Um, people used to have social security numbers in like every spreadsheet about college students because we had to have them there or somehow. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the headache with GDPR, a lot of the reason that people are getting like 200 emails is that we haven't exactly been practicing data hygiene. Mm-hmm. For most of the time, we've had computers. Um, some organizations did. Um, there were, you know, there were rules about like what information banks are allowed to exchange about you and, and stuff like that. There were there were always some kinds of compliance stuff, but advertising compliance, what? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we've made a mess. Cleaning it up is going to be painful. Yeah. Well, I, there's also like a minor point was also like. Um, uh, is that if someone gives you a business card, that doesn't mean that they want to be added to your mailing list. So that's so I've had that happen before. Like I give someone a business card, and all of a sudden they're like, they assume that I, I, I'm going to be on their mailing list. You know, there wasn't like an overt, necessary. Yeah. Like in one time, like and, and to his credit, he's like, hey, thanks for you know contacting me. It was like a group email blast. To everyone he met at a conference, and like I'll add you to this mailing list. I'm like, I didn't really want to right. be added to the mailing list. I just wanted. Your slides. So I don't know. You know, I linked your slides. I didn't really want to, you know. So. Right. Well, and at conferences, like you have the whole badge scanning set up where they just are like grabbing your 
contact information for every possible interaction. Yeah. And that's going to change, I think. Yeah, it would be interesting also to see how, um, you know, there's large com- conferences here, like now South by Southwest, where like they've gone RFID. I don't know if that's going to interfere with you know, yeah. Europeans who show up and, you know, where they get tracked unless they have to. The that they might be able to just like when you register have a flag are you an EU citizen yeah or just do not track yeah um, but it it definitely will require a change in the way they do business yeah yeah so um, it'd be interesting to see how this shake out shakes out uh, what do you think US uh, lawmakers are going to adapt something similar or when hell freezes over <laughs> I mean something like that no I mean we're just like I don't know. I, I, I don't see this as any kind of a time for more regulations to appear. Mm-hmm. Um, I pretty much think that what it's not something that can easily be done at like the state level. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the European union was smart at least to say, okay, this is something we've been trying to do country by country, but that doesn't really make sense or have enough oomph. Right. Um, in the U S you know, like New York state has talked about similar things occasionally once in a while before the lobbyists from all the advertisers in the city get at them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't see it happening here. I definitely don't see it happening at the federal level. Right. Um, it could happen over time. Like if GDPR evolves into a workable model that then gets become to become part of treaties, yeah. then I could see that, um, you know, we talk about trade treaties and maybe having like an environmental thing, having a data codicil codicil. I got to say that that's an exciting word. Um, something like that. I probably mispronounced it too. Um, I could see it happening that way, but I don't, I don't see it happening in the U S otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Cause I felt like, uh, if you looked at what happened with Facebook and their, you know, privacy issues and the fact that, you know, Zuckerberg went to Congress and for two days answered questions, you know, that were just, the, the questions weird. were like, you know, just so, you know, like, like I think I just I talked about the last episode. It was just like, you know, elder statesmen asking questions from their younger junior staff to a young billionaire IT professional who was trained by elder PR professionals to answer yes. those questions. And so I really don't think we'll get like a, and if we do get, like, the thing I hate to say this is like, if we do get a law uh, that addresses these issues, it's going to be not in our users' best interest. So, no, like the one exception I was going to say to that is if, you know, Facebook and Google could somehow get their act together to write such a law. And I don't think the entire tech community would line up with them. Apple and Microsoft both seem to have much less enthusiasm for such a plot. Um, I mean, I think for Apple, it's simple. They sell the devices and not the, the data. Uh, Microsoft is a much more complicated mix. Uh, but I don't, as important as Facebook and Google are, I doubt they could pull that one off. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they'd really like to work together on it either. So mm-hmm. that's kind of another fun question. Right. Oh, man. Number six. Next story. Is that the new Star Wars movie oh. is out. So you saw it? Yeah, right? I went. Yeah, I went. Saw it last night. I saw pictures of you as Chewbacca. Yes. The world is back to its correct place. <laughs> exactly. Again. It's good. Yeah, it's. Um, I I saw some reviews, like spoiler-free reviews, and one of them was like, "Hey, it's a. It's not a solo movie. It's a Chewbacca movie." 
And I was like, well, I'm going to go dress as a Chewbacca. So perfect. And it's 90 degrees in Austin. So, oh, so that was fun. Uh, yeah. I, I, I asked Ari to put me in a AC bubble as Chewbacca. So when I walked there, she said, no, that was not going to happen. So, but uh, could you, the suit is huge. Could you build like a small air conditioner into it someplace? <laughs> could that? No, man. I wish I could. Chewie's backpack is really an air conditioner. Right? <laughs> yeah, like the C three PO, C three PO I carry on my backpack is actually there. You know, there that'd be kind of fun. But yeah, um, I was kind of like bummed because uh, you know when uh, Force Awakens c- came out, it was a big to do because it's like the first major Star Wars movie in a long time. Uh, right. And then Last Jedi came out. I assume was a big deal. I was in. I was in the hospital when that happened. It a, so it was a it was less of a big deal yeah. than the Force Awakens, but it was still a big deal, right? And then we had like Rogue One, which is like you know, the trailer looked awesome, and then they spent like forty million dollars fixing it somehow, and uh, yes. that cool Tie Fighter scene coming up at the end with in the trailer didn't make the cut, yeah. and so, um, and I was like, I was kind of right in this wave, it was like because I missed last Jedi premiere, and I walked in there like, okay, it's Star Wars, and. Like no one was really excited for it as much as a, a few people uh, dress. Really? Yeah, a few people dressed up uh, like I like I did. Like there was a stormtrooper. Uh, there were some people with light weird lightsaber characters that I did not know. You know, I'm a Star Wars fan, but I'm not like, whoa, you guys. You know, I don't know what Jedi or Sith Lord you are, but uh, that is- they might be like my daughter who make up new characters. Yeah. Like there's Yodi, who's Yoda's little sister. Oh, that's awesome. That's that is that is <laughs> that is adorbs. That is awesome. Uh, yeah, so um, so I was really kind of kind of like down about the whole thing because like I dressed with Chewbacca, but uh, I mean I get it is fun because people like take photos of Chewbacca, which is oh yeah, which is great. So uh, I got some uh, people took some photos on the way out, but uh, uh, and I enjoyed the movie. I will I I'm here to say I did not like Last Jedi. Uh, I think it's uh, you can listen to the past review of that. We talked about yeah, that. we don't have to go through it again. Okay. Uh, but this one I felt like it was. You know, it's it's plot is pretty simple. It's a heist movie. Um, it explains if you know things about Han and uh, Chewbacca's relationship, and a lot you know it has Lando in it, and uh, and it's you know I, it, it is kind of a Chewbacca movie, which is what what they said. And so, uh, you know, but you know, it doesn't take over the movie or anything like that. It's, it's you know Han is the main character. We still need the Chewbacca. Yeah, movie. we still need the Chewbacca movie. But uh, but you know, the supporting cast, the characters is really good. Throughout the movie, uh, great actors and actresses uh, help. Like Harrison Ford does a great job. Uh, a guy who plays Vision from the Marvel movies, which his name escapes me, but uh, he's uh, he's in it. You know, so just really great actors. And then yeah, Ron Howard, if he ever kept the, you know, if you if you watch the trade magazines for movies, you notice that now he came in kind of in the middle of production because of the the people who did Lego movie uh, were. were left because of creative differences in quotes. Uh, and uh, so people were like, oh, this is going to be a uh, steam pile of garbage <laughs> when, when it shows up. <laughs> and uh, it was actually a very competent movie. I feel like it's of the new Star Wars movies. It's the most polished. Good. Like from start to finish, I didn't feel like things were, um, punches were held back. And what I mean by that, there's like some scenes in Force Awakens where like, if they just did this one thing, It'd been really cool, like inspiring and like awesome, but they didn't have the budget <laughs> to do that, or like, or like you know, and specifically what one scene that's a symptom of what I'm talking about is that uh, at the beginning of Force Awakens, uh, Poe is like, oh, uh, the Empire's whoever, whoever, 
is the new empire in the, in the movie comes and he's taxes a small village on this desert island planet or whatever and he's about to get in his x-wing and he's about to take off but it gets shut up and i was like if the x-wing just lifted up two feet at that yeah. moment i'd be like okay we're in like we're in the movie things are happening but no it doesn't get shot up and and they'll and you don't have to spend special effects to like lift a x x-wing one right. foot much less one inch so uh and i felt like and so like there's whole things through the force awakens and from what i've read you know they did force awakens kind of on the cheap if you will if you in quotes again on the cheap cheap as these things as these things go um but since you know it's a holo is a simple kind of plot they kept things kind of good um Kind of simple, and uh, the acting was great. Uh, the supporting characters are great. Um, things are kind of a fast clip. Um, and so, yeah, and uh, the best part wasn't in the movie, but uh, there's a little girl in the audience, and there's a reveal or twist, you know, towards the end of the movie, and she goes, what? <laughs> and if you've ever been to an Alamo Draft House, they have a strict no texting, no talking policy. So everyone's really kind of like is really quiet during those movies. And so just to have someone just like, what? Like just go, just breaks, you know, this, like how quiet it is actually in the theater. And so, and all the adults were like, just like, just, we're just, we're just laughing. Cause uh, yeah. It's a perfect moment. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So I think star Wars is back with that. So and I hope Ron Howard comes back and uh, does a sequel. So it's really good. So it has my seal of approval. So, and I, I hope it gets more love than it, than it has. So, then it probably will do, but I think I think long term it's it's as of right now it's the best movie I think of of the new crop. So cool, but yeah. There there might be a secret best movie out of the Rogue One deleted scenes, but uh, yeah, doesn't exist. Yeah, I think the he director I forgot what his name is who initially made it. Um, uh, he was making a war movie, is what you know, kind of like 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 no like gritty, uh, and they in the stores people. You know, newly acquired Disney was like, oh, we need to make it more of a Star Wars aesthetic, you know, when you think of Star Wars. And so, so they had to go back and, and change it up. And so, um, but yeah, so, so I think, so I think there is a good movie in there somewhere too, but like how, how many editions of Blade Runner did they release over time? Like five. <laughs> it's like, exactly. But I think there's a good movie in Last Jedi and you can definitely tell it in the deleted scenes. Like you're talking about like, you know. My my daughter loved 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 the prank scene. Yeah, so. it, like it makes so much. It makes everything better about it, and so yeah, so that's awesome. That's yes. good. Yeah, I think um, I'm hoping. Cool. Yeah, I think I think uh, Last Jedi. The best things that they put on film was the porgs. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you had a cake with porgs. I mean. Oh yeah. Was- well, that's actually Ari's birthday. I yeah. tradition so far is to do a geeky cake, and so this year we, uh, and also we love, and she loves. Uh, mixing star wars and star trek together like as a joke like just to make people thought yeah so we went to the, the force awakens premiere and i dressed up as chewbacca and uh and she went as like nurse chapel from star trek perfect yeah and so she was like the only one and so she was yeah so it was fun but um but yeah so i her birthday quick cake uh just for reference was uh and she loves she loves the new star trek discovery show and so which is only on tps access streaming service which is whatever uh and so i had the star trek logo for that which is kind of the badge communication thing and then put a whole bunch of porgs around it so and that was that was kind of it but yeah so yeah i was kind of racking my brain what to do but porgs and star trek i think (laughs) and with a triple thrown in for good measure so 
Well, you've got to keep it. Yeah, exactly. Number seven. Okay, uh, next next story. Uh, President can't block critics on Twitter. Uh, yeah, so a ruling came down. Uh, the president was actually sued. Or I guess uh, I don't think the president was sued, but uh, was sued like that. Uh, it's unconstitutional uh, for to for the president to block people with his Twitter account. So we're talking about the uh, uh, the president's personal, if you will, uh, Twitter account, and so he was blocking people. And so the rule, judge ruled that since it's a public forum, the president can't use that. And that's what the, but also a fact that the judge also mentioned the fact that since uh, he was actually making, announcing news, if you will, like, hey, I'm directing things to happen, however, um, so therefore he, he can't block people. But the thing is, is that he's not blocking people. This is my concern about that. Like, so yeah, so, so in, in the whole analogy of a forum is like, What's well, a public forum so you can't block people? It's like, well, politicians have uh, forums all the time when they meet their constituents when they're on break, and you still have to talk one at a time, and you can't say you know bad things to other people or else you get pulled by security guards. So, I mean, I, I really don't understand that analogy very well. I think, I mean, I think this is a place where it's going to be really weirdly evolving law for a while. Yeah. Um, I mean, first of all, like Twitter in a lot of of senses is actually not a public forum. It's a business, even if it doesn't really know how to be a business. Um, Of all the services out there, it's the one I've said the most times should be a public utility because that's the only way I really see it surviving in the long run. Um, It just keeps lurching all over the place. Um, But it's not. It's not there yet. Um, I don't think we really had any idea what speech means in the age of tweets and gigantic volumes of conversation that clash and fly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also wonder, like, I I, I think I can make a decent case for the president having to not block people. But how far down does that go? Um, I really don't like my governor very much. (laughs) My town board members are Facebook friends with me, but I don't know how long that'll last. You know how far does this go, and who does it affect? Um, right, but like, but his tweets, like, seriously, like, if you want to read his tweets, right, you can just go to like if you're using Google Chrome or you're using, using the browser. Incognito mode. Yeah, so his yeah. tweets aren't. He's not blocking you from reading it if you just want to read the tweet. So, like, that's the thing. So, like, so to to right. me, the analogy is like you are annoying in a public, you know, in a room, I want to get away from you. I'm not blocking you from talking. I just don't want to have a conversation with you. I want to go to the other side of the room and put you in the room with the tele, with the television instead of the live activity. Yeah. Basically, I don't think we know how any of this works yet. Like I think that monkey running around San Antonio airport Mm -hmm. is probably in just as good a communication situation (laughs) as we are on these things. Um, I mean, it is, there are some interesting lines here. I mean, like, obviously the president uses that account for presidential business yeah. that I think is hard to, hard to argue with. And not every public official does that. I mean, I have, I have friends who are public officials and mm-hmm. their Facebook feed is, you know, kids and parties and stuff like yeah. that. Um, I don't think though that we have any idea 
I don't know. We haven't even figured out etiquette, much less regulation <laughs> on this. Yeah, I just I don't. I think the only way to get around it right now would be, and you have politicians that don't conduct business on Twitter or announce things on Twitter. And so, like my, I think you, what we could do is like, if you are a congressperson, let's say, you can just have a press release and then like wait fifteen minutes and then say, hey, this happened, you know, whatever. And it's like, and so you have a more right. tra- tra- traditional. Uh, news release, and then you can do it on Twitter. Where, like, whereas the, it's where the president has been making news, like this will happen on Monday, like you know, over the weekend or something like that, you know. And so that's like he makes news that way. So I think that's yeah. So you can't just, um, you know, but you can still be snarky apparently on Twitter. So that's what it's yeah, for. Exactly. Right? That's 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 why we need to be a public utility. We must not run out of snark. Exactly. <laughs> it's just like the snark meter is low. What are we gonna do? I don't know, Bob. Exactly. Uh, Bring in the porgs. Number eight. Speaking of snark, how long have you been snarking on Twitter? Because how long have you been on Twitter? I think I've been on since 2008, but I'm not positive. Let me, I can look that up even while we're here. uh, Um, Because what happened this week was like uh, um, someone favorited a tweet that I don't remember writing, and then I looked into it. It's like I wrote it ten years ago, and yes. I was like, oh, "Why is my friend, who is a very busy individual who just got engaged, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, so he's just like he's traveling around the world all the time?" I was just like, "What's he doing? Read my ten-year-old tweets? Like, was it really funny? Like, no. Was it really interesting? Like, no, because it was you know I had no idea what was doing Twitter, and so uh, and so I was like, okay, weird. And then another friend. Uh, not only faved a tweet from ten years ago, he retweeted it. I was like, "Like what? What's going on?" And so then someone else liked it and retweeted it. I was like, this, "And I looked at it. This tweet got one like ten years ago, and like, and like, <laughs> and within a span of fifteen minutes, has been like liked twice and retweeted twice, something like that." So turn of the zombie. Yeah, I was like, "Well, I thank you. I I thought that was a really good tweet, and it deserved more more care and love than it got." So, but. Uh, but yeah, but then it turns out there's uh, Andy Bio. I believe I'm saying his name correctly. Yes. Uh, he's founded a XOXO conference, which I believe happens in Portland. And I hear nothing but rave uh, things about it. Uh, he's actually uh, did like a, he just tweeted out a search URL that you can actually uh, find out what tweets you're making, your friends are making like 10 years ago. Well, there's... There's some fun things to it. I mean, I, I just looked it up. I started in February 2008, so I, I maybe on this. Um, when I went to look, it was interesting because it was it felt very different from my Twitter timeline as I remember it then. Mm-hmm. Because the people dominating it are people I have followed more recently than that. So I'm seeing tweets from people that I mostly know, or at least Twitter know, um, who I wasn't following at the time. Yeah. So it's like this whole other level of like, I, I knew this person then. I never heard them say that before. And uh, it also gives you a really different sense of who is active on Twitter because so many fewer people were on Twitter and so many fewer people were like tweeting all the time. Mm. Um, it, I don't know how to describe it. It's not just a simple time machine. It's, it's much weirder than that. Yeah. I would also love a service that would show me my timeline from 10 years ago, like what I was seeing. Yeah. But I don't know that that's so easy to create. So, <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of that'd be some 
processing powers there, I guess. Like so basically you just want to recreate what you what you're looking at in real time. I don't know. Yeah. Totally kinda of cool. Cool. And then uh Yeah, so definitely if you've been on Twitter, I definitely I uh, we'll have a link in the show notes so you can definitely see what what's going on ten years ago. But was, I think it's also the fact that it showed me tweets of people who I didn't know ten years ago, but I'm now following. And if they yeah. happen to be on Twitter at the same time. So I was reading tweets from people like like I didn't know who they were ten years ago, and so it was like really weird to see what they were, what they were tweeting about, and so then, um, so yeah, it'd be, it'd be kind of interesting to see like at what point we intersected and our tweets kind of like, uh, like our like relationship started. Like I guess that's kind of kind of weird. I'm not sure. Is that weird? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I haven't I haven't heard of like any real fights breaking out. I did have a really confusing interaction with a troll who was unhappy with something I must have retweeted in 2008, but. Um, <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that what are you talking about thing is what's keeping the fights down. It's good. Number nine. In our last story, I guess also Twitter, we should talk about Twitter, is that uh, uh, Twitter announced the, uh, the their political, the rules for political campaign ads. And uh, so it was, kind of like kind of a interesting thing i think they didn't uh i look for like what was bad about it or what was kind of weird about it but it just seems like common sense things to me it was it was like uh if you are a political campaigner you need to uh show that you are running a political campaign uh like that you are who you are i guess get a blue check mark would be great but like you have a passport make sure or if you're running an ad uh, make sure you're like I think you're a PAC. Make sure you're like certified or FEIC uh, compliant, and then um, make sure your profile. This is one that, that was kind of weird. It was like yeah, your profile photo for your account and your header photo and your website must be consistent with your handle's online presence. So um, I'm assuming that's like your presence on other platforms and the website as well. So maybe. So uh, I mean I've campaigns tend to come up with you know a logo and mm. a look and that kind of stuff and maybe that's a good connection I, mean, I think some of it is also just trying to the eggs all of those eggs on twitter mm. which are no longer eggs but yeah. um yeah and i have seen people run political accounts without actually changing the the avatar which was really weird <laughs> this was years ago i don't <laughs> think i could find them again now but right. Like, are you serious? Yeah, and now when I said new avatar is like this, like blobs of uh, of a human icon, and I look at it now, I just think of that, uh, you know, stacked art that you have of stones. Oh, yeah. that's why I think about like I see there's like a stone thing, like this. Someone's actually creating a stone, like you know, environmental art piece right now. But uh, but yeah, so like yeah, definitely need to have a profile photo and and then um, bio has uh, valid contact information and uh, and if it's not. You know, if it's if you're not the entity, you need to like claim like who who's who's it owned by. So basically, be more transparent about uh, who's running the site or who's running the Twitter Twitter handoff. So I like all this stuff. I'm not sure that it'll necessarily play out the way we're hoping. But again, mm-hmm. like I said, we don't know really what we're doing with Twitter. Um, yeah. We're still figuring it out. I think there's going to be lots of people. There are so many ways with social media to do things weirdly. You don't even need bots. Mm. You just need a lot of people. Mm. Um, I 
Well, I think it's. I don't think we're done. You know, I think it's weird. Like we like we just talked about how like you, uh, you can look to see what tweets you were making ten years ago, but you said like we're still trying to figure out Twitter. So. Well, ten years is not that long. Really? I mean, in, in some ways, I feel like we're still trying to figure out the novel, and that's what like 150 <laughs> years. So uh, we gave up on telegrams, but uh, it's it's. Did we? I, I'm all, going to telegram office right now. <laughs> go ahead send me a telegram i'll be delighted when western union shows up at my doorstep i have no idea what i would tell you in a telegram but uh, but yeah there'd be a lot of stop <laughs> stop stop maybe that's what i'll do i'll start using stop for do you know how expensive like, stop is you know like they, they pay you by word or letter for a telegram yeah. that's expensive word stop yeah. unless, it is, unless it's a freebie everything everything else costs but uh, maybe stop was a freebie I don't yeah know. so uh, yeah. So, oh, sorry, I did cut you off there. So, I don't want to... no, it's okay. Um, the other thing I'm remembering is like Eric Meyer likes to talk about a book called The Victorian Internet, I think it is, about the telegraph and similar devices. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of these things we're talking about aren't actually that new. We just still haven't figured them out. Cool. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I remember him talking about that. I think I'll look it up, read that one. But, uh, but yeah, cool. Yeah, I just, I just feel like, um, you know, but go back to Twitter ads. I think it's just making things more transparent. I guess you know, I, I don't, I don't want to open up a can of worms too much, but I think it just it shows you that um, I guess they're worried about uh, 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 people. I, I guess the main line here is just that foreign nationals are prohibited from targeting political campaign advertisements in the United States. So, so you have to prove, like, I guess you are in the United States or registered right. in the United States. I'm kind of. Curious if they're going to make this, you know, work for all countries. That would make sense just for consistency's sake. You're doing a political ad in Canada. That's great. Make sure you're Canadian. Right. Yeah. It's also it was kind of weird. It's like like their policy affects um, um, all countries except Brazil, Morocco, Pakistan, South Korea, Vietnam, and Malaysia. Well, those. Yeah, I think they said that those prohibit political advertising in general. In general, and I think. If I'm remembering right, so there are, there are also countries that have political advertising is prohibited in a certain window before the election. Mm. So there's probably even more complication than shows up on the surface there. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, also, I meant, so, yeah, yeah, I said F F F I E C. I meant the ads purchased by political community or candidate registered with the FEC. Yeah, so I think that, yeah, that's But yeah, and then um, yeah, yeah, I guess they're they're trying to get away from fake ads. That uh, I guess that word they wanted to, or as it would depress votes rather than um, a, a, attract or gain votes. I guess I guess that's, that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. That. So cool. Yeah, that's all pretty awesome. Okay. Uh, any other ideas we want to talk about? I think that's pretty good. I think I'm the social media now. Yeah, man, it's great. I, I like I like talking about the intersection of uh, culture and, uh, and social media and so on that. I think it, it depresses me, but I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about it. it. Makes me feel better. Get it out of my system. That's the only way we're going to get through this. So <laughs> It's like, I need to talk about all the messages I sent online and why I feel bad about it. So I think that's not a symptom at all of a larger problem. I think everything's great. You send Shabaka and Porgs and stuff. You're doing great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so definitely uh, go out there, see Solo. Uh, let me know. What do you think of it? Uh, and uh, talk about it. so, do you have any inclination to see Solo? Oh yeah, yeah. My daughter is like, it's opening today. Can we go? <laughs> I'm like, um, let's wait a couple of days at least. Yeah. 
She also doesn't like crowded movie theaters. Oh, okay, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Uh, yeah. Well, if it was if I was at the Alamo Draft House, it might be different. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean, I have my spot where it's not too crowded. So, but uh, Alamo Draft House. So I think, uh, like, I have, I have my. Spot. Our, our, tra- our traditional pattern was to go see them on Christmas Eve when nobody was in the theater. Yeah. But releasing it in May makes Christmas Eve kind of unlikely. So yeah, I mean, it might still be there. Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure how popular of a run it's going to have. Maybe six month run. I don't know. So yeah, almost. It would take us to Thanksgiving. Yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It seems like a stretch. So we'll see it. We'll see it soon. Yeah, I just feel like uh, you know, it's just probably too much. But I think like it was a sweet spot just to have a Star Wars movies at Christmas. I thought that would always be a good thing to have. So, but I don't know. I I'm not Disney. I, so what, 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 these things are hard to make. I get that. I whatever works, right. it'll do. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. Cool. Well, uh, thanks so much for for being on here. Like, where can people find you? Uh, well, on Twitter, which we've been talking about a lot lately, I'm at Simon Sainel, S-I-M-O-N-S-T-L. Um, I'm also at simonstl.com, and you can find all my contact info at the bottom of that page too, along with the GP- GDPR compliance notification. Oh, nice. Well, definitely, I look that one up. So. Because I think it's it just says, that's a, it just says I'm not tracking. Yeah, it's a unique one. You have to go look it up and say like, "Hey, I was there. I saw it." So it's like yes. going to uh, Mount Rushmore. Gotta go see it. Cool. And uh, I'm Teljekt on Twitter, T E L E J E C T. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks again for being on the show. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Awesome. Till next time.